on this episode of Rebel Spirit Radio. I compare tarot cards, reading tarot cards, kind of like to dream analysis. And I do think that all of these symbols are, are saying something about our subconscious and what's going on with us. And, and when I'm reading for someone else, I may not know exactly what's going on with you or your life, but, but I can tell you these symbols and you are applying it with me as I'm explaining. So it, it is very much a, a joint process when you're reading for someone else. And, and, and I think that all of those symbols on the cards, you know, they're, they're so key in telling a story, just like dreams. And, and, and it really can show up what's important to someone, what, what path they're on, what they're dreading, what they're wishing for, all of that. Welcome to Rebel Spirit Radio, exploring the frontiers of spirituality, consciousness, the esoteric, and humanity's sacred relationship with a living earth. I'm your host, Nick Mather. And in this week's episode, I am joined by Julia Gordon Bramer to discuss her book, Tarot Life Lessons, Living Wisdom from the Major Arcana. Julia discusses how tarot is a tool of transformation, finding stories in the cards, the benefit of reading reversals, reading for difficult people, and how tarot imagery is found in the poetry of Sylvia Plath. Also, please be sure to like and subscribe to this podcast on whatever platform you use to listen to or view podcasts. Your support is truly appreciated. Julia Gordon Bramer is a professional tarot card reader, award-winning writer and poet, Sylvia Plath scholar, former professor for the graduate writing program at Lindenwood University, and host of the radio show, videocast, and podcast, Mystic Fix. She has appeared on MTV, Nickelodeon, and many television and radio shows to share her tarot talents and scholarship. Recognized as one of St. Louis's top 10 psychics and St. Louis's best fortune teller, she is the author of several books, including Fixed Stars Govern a Life, Decoding Sylvia Plath. She joins me today to discuss her latest book, Tarot Life Lessons. Julia, welcome to Rebel Spirit Radio. Thank you. Yes. I'm very excited to speak with you. I enjoyed your book quite a bit, and we have something in common. Based on what you wrote in the book, we both started working with tarot at around the same time. I also started oh. reading tarot when I was 16 years old. So Great. I'm like, oh, yes, we've both been at this for quite some time. And I thought that... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I thought that it might be interesting it, it, to ask a, you how that came into your life. Yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, it, I address it in the first chapter, which is actually chapter zero in alignment with the fool card. Mm -hmm. Each chapter in tarot life lessons is matched to one of the major arcana cards. And, and the first story is my own. And, and I do think, you know, age 16, it, we're not, we're certainly not adults yet. You know, not, we don't have any real wisdom, but, but we're old enough to kind of venture out on our own and, and we're, we're looking to find ourselves. And, and so I, I can see why you might've fallen into the same, you know, situation as me. So the story I tell in the book is one of wandering into a store in the mall on a hot summer day. And it was like a magic shop. And to date myself here, back in the 1970s, 
there were not these spiritual new age shops that we have today. You know, you couldn't go and buy the crystals and the sage and and Palo Santo and, and, you know, and pendulums and that sort of thing. The magic shops of the 1970s were magician tricks and gag gifts and rabbits and hats. And it just so happened they had a pack of tarot cards there as well. So the story I tell is this very worldly, older woman of probably about 20 years old who uh, motioned me over to the case and said, do you want to see some real magic? And, and she showed me this deck and that was it. I was smitten and plonked down my babysitting money and, and the rest is history. Mm, wonderful. Do you recall knowing anything about tarot before then? No, I, I don't think I'd even heard of what tarot cards were. I was very young and naive, so I hadn't seen them in movies. Oh, wait a minute. You know, I, I probably had seen the Hermit card on, on the Led Zeppelin album. Oh, <laughs> I think it's Led Zeppelin 4. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I don't think I knew that that was a tarot image until later. Right. So, yeah, the, the kind of thing I, you know, I started to put it together the lover's card and the James Bond movie, Live and Let Die, and the death card, you know, the, those came as a, a little bit of an older person, but the tarot came first. And I did not know anything about what tarot was until I had that deck in my hands. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. I think that I'm not entirely positive, but I think that my first exposure was the old, um, and it was an RKO movie, The Wolfman with Lon Chaney. I think there was a you know a gypsy mm -hmm. woman reading tarot uh -huh. cards. I think that was the first time I'd ever seen them. So were you hooked right away? Pretty much. Yeah. I you know, I, I talk in the book about I, I didn't study tarot for a long time. I didn't have any books. I had only the little white booklet that came in the deck. And what, what's known in tarot circles today is the LWBs, because there, there's an art to writing those, those booklets. But I think that actually worked in my favor because I, I trained myself to use my intuition. And so I had a couple of words that were associated with each card, because that's all the little white booklets had room for, you know, so it would say like, you know, three of cups joy feasting you know and that would be it you know and 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 i'd have to intuit the rest and and so i learned really that way just by looking at the pictures i i compare tarot cards reading tarot cards kind of like to dream analysis and i do think that all of these symbols are are saying something about our subconscious and what's going on with us and, and when I'm reading for someone else, I may not know exactly what's going on with you or your life, but, but I can tell you these symbols and you are applying it with me as I'm explaining. So it, it, it is very much a, a joint process when you're reading for someone else. And, and, and I think that all of those symbols on the cards, you know, they're, they're so key in telling a story, just like dreams. And, and, and it really can show up what's important to someone, what, what path they're on, what they're dreading, what they're wishing for, all of that. Yeah. Now, in the book, you wrote that, you know, I think a lot of people think of tarot in terms of predicting the future. 
And mm -hmm. you wrote that using it only for fortune telling is a waste of its power. And so I was wondering yeah. if you could discuss that a little bit more. Yeah. So the tarot is a tool for self-actualization, reaching your highest potential. Um, Carl Jung used it with his uh, patients. And it, it's becoming aware of where you are now, what your energies are, what your focuses are, what your fears are. We're not always aware of that kind of thing. And, and, it, and it's bringing it down to a conscious level. And then it gives you the power to, you know, basically move forward in a way that you want versus what might be controlling you subconsciously that you're not aware of. So it, it's about awareness more than anything else. I believe I can read your cards because we're connected just by being alive. I call that life force God. You know, here's where it gets a, a, a bit spiritual. I don't tell people how to do God, what to call God. You could, you could say energy. You could say the force. You could say a vibe. You know, you you, you apply it what you like. But the idea is, if if we're both alive then we're hooked into this God system and you have great power as we all do. And it's just 99% of the people don't own that power. So I'm about teaching people to own it and saying, all right, this is what you're doing. This is where, where you're headed. Let's, you know, let's change this aspect. You, you seem to repeat relationship problems or you seem to be on a, treadmill with money or, you know, and, and we'll, we'll look into that and we'll try to find out why I've had some clients tell me that they've gotten more out of one tarot session than a year of therapy. And which I think is the highest compliment. And, and I don't take credit for that. I, I give credit to spirit for that. I'm just the channel, but, but it, it's, it's about awareness. It's, it's not fortune telling, even though I have that, that label, you know, CBS radio called me St. Louis's best fortune teller. Right. <laughs> and I kind of cringe a little bit on that, yeah. but, but sure, there's a little bit of that in it, but there are opportunities to change your future as well. Yeah. You also said that you weren't all that entirely comfortable by uh, being called a psychic either, um, that you prefer intuitive. Yeah, well, it's right. First of all, I do believe that everybody has some psychic or intuitive abilities. And it's just about, you know, teaching ourselves to pay attention and cultivating them and having a spiritual path really helps. But, you know, people hear psychic and they think of Madame Cleo and <laughs> the, you know, what, however many dollars a minute. And, and while I do have, prices for my time. I, I don't want to be, you know, that classic, again, that gypsy fortune teller image. People compare me more to a life coach. You know, they definitely seek, they seek me for guidance. They seek me for understanding certain situations. They seek me for knowing what's going on with someone else, you know, that's something tarot can be really helpful with is if you're estranged with somebody, if you've had a breakup and you want to understand what the other person is feeling, if you, if someone's passed on and you want to know that, 
that they're cool with you on the other side, or maybe there's a message for you from that person. You know, I don't profess to be a medium per se, but the tarot can help with things like that as well. You know, it, you're going to hear me not want to adopt a lot of these titles, medium, psychic, fortune teller. I really want to be very human about it <laughs> and, and not be putting on a shtick. And I think that is why I have been, you know, probably the most successful full-time tarot card reader, certainly in my area, because I am real. You know, people sometimes meet me and they go, oh, you're normal. <laughs> you know, they, they expect me to have, you know, the headband on and the big hoop earrings and, and you know, and, and I can put that on for Halloween or something, but, but I'm very much, you know, I'm in my workout clothes right now. <laughs> and I, I'm I'm very real. Yeah. Well, I like that the way yeah, you and just... you know, and to add about the book, I, I... Well, please go ahead. <laughs> oh yeah, I was I was just gonna say to add about the book, I, I I like that I don't want people to see me as this guru on a mountaintop pronouncing truths. You know, I'm not I'm not giving the Zen Cohen's, I'm I'm a very human person processing with my clients. Um, sometimes they're challenging me. Sometimes they're aggravating me. Sometimes I'm crying with them. Sometimes I'm losing my boundaries. And, uh, and you know, so that you're going to see a very human experience from my perspective, because these did start out as my journal entries. And, and Tarot Life Lessons my working title was the Tarot Diaries, mm. and and they were actually my, you know, my personal, if, if I had a, a really powerful session with somebody, I wanted to remember it, and I wanted to remember what cards I pulled for them, and and I wanted to remember things they said, and as a creative writer and poet, which I also am, you know, I recorded some of that dialogue, and I, I, I wrote it all for myself with no plan initially of ever publishing it. But, but in 2020 with COVID, my husband suggested I pull it together and put it in a book and great idea on his part. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, it's a very different tarot book because it's not a guidebook on this is how you read tarot. It is stories. Right. And, and that was important. There are too many of those. And, and, and that has been, you know, there, there, are, there are a lot of great ones. I, I would never put any of those down. I didn't want my book to do that. I wanted my book to be real world application of tarot and let's see it in real human lives. And, and, and let's see how these cards actually work to transform people and change their ideas. And so, and me too, you know, as the tarot card reader, if you're interested in the tarot side of it, how does Julia read the cards and how is she processing when she's got this client with, with all these problems or, you know, or is she judging this person? You know, I, I see a lot of interesting stuff that the stories you're, you're going to see scam artists, you're going to see gold diggers, you're going to see a murder, you're going to see manslaughter that was covered up. You're going to see the death of children. You're going to see an impersonator. <laughs> <laughs> of me, <laughs> which was kind of weird. Yeah. Um, lots of lots of interesting stuff, and and so it was really a period of growth for me mm -hmm. in in going through these readings and 
just figuring out my place and trying to be a, a positive force of love and light in, in all situations. And I was not always successful. Uh, I'd like to think in most of them, I was usually successful, but there were a couple, uh, I'm thinking of chapter five, the Hierophant, where a woman was very challenging and difficult. And, you know, I was pretty snippy to her in the end and like, oh, well, <laughs> you know, don't let the door hit you on the way out, you know, <laughs> but it was, she pushed, she pushed my buttons and, and I talk about that and I talk about my ego and I am human and ego gets in the way. And I try not to be, you know, I try, I try to be that blank slate and I try to be just the channel, but if you're going to be real confrontational with me, you know, there's that part of me that's like, bring it. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. You'll, you'll see all of that. Yeah. No, I was going to ask you about uh, that specific example of with from the Hierophant and kind of larger question about reading for people that may be a challenge, because I think something yeah. that comes across very clearly in the book that's not necessarily stated explicitly, but with a tarot reading, it's you've it, it, you've got the cards, but you also have the reader, but then you also have you know the querent, the person that's getting the reading, and it's not just the reader and the cards; it's a mutual kind of relationship between the two people and the cards. It is, it is, and, and some people are are blocked. You know, some people like, like in that Hierophant story, she was not going to open enough to be vulnerable in any way. And I wasn't going to get anything. And I knew this. And so I talked about kind of dancing around and being vague and, you know, because I, I didn't have a chance with her as someone I did not write about in this book, but once I was working an event and, and, you know, parties are interesting because the individual is not usually personally invested in the reading, meaning that the host of the party usually pays for my time. And so anybody can wander up and they don't necessarily care about tarot. They don't necessarily want to take it seriously. They may be drunk that, you know, I, I get all kinds of mixed energies there. And I, I had one a long time ago. Um, I almost feel like I don't attract this kind of energy anymore, but, but this, young guy sat in front of me and he took my cards and he threw them in my face. Wow. And he said, they're just a lot of cardboard. And he, you know, and he made a big mess and I'm, and we were outdoors. So I had to like get mm. my cards quick before the wind swept them all away. And, you know, it was just obnoxious. So uh, I get some, you know, I, there would be no way I could give that man a reading. Also, there's bias. And I, and I have written about this at, at the end of each chapter, I have tarot tips. And so if you are interested in reading the cards for yourself, you can see some of my tips after my 45 plus years of doing this. And, and the bias thing is huge. So I generally don't read for myself too often because I care, you know, I care about my outcome usually. Now, if I can be really open about it, if I can say, you know, do I want to go to vacation in this place or this place? Maybe the cards will give me some good guidance on that. But if I ask, will my son be safe while he's on tour with his band? <laughs> I care about that. And I'm too invested in that outcome. So, you know, I, 
I, in general practice, I don't read for my family members and I usually don't read for myself. You know, those, those really close loved ones, because I might be too wound up in that and I might want to sway it in some way. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It is very difficult to read for yourself because of bias. I often, what I've done now is when I do have a question, I will just do a one card poll and I'll give you Mm -hmm. two examples. Actually, I'll give you three. One, because I think the interesting thing about tarot is that sometimes it's clear. Sometimes there's a little bit of ambiguity. So I struggled for a long time making a decision. I had been in California and I moved back to Colorado this past summer. And I was really struggling with this decision for a while. And then one night, it was like two in the morning, I took out my cards and I just said, okay, should I go or should I stay? And I got the chariot. Very clear, direct. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) there you go. Um, Yeah, absolutely. And I just did one the other day. I've been thinking about resigning from a teaching position because it's just sort of sucking my soul. So the question I asked was, what would be the likely outcome if I were to resign from this? And I got the 10 of cups. So that's a nice, positive card, right? But uh, after I moved here over the summer, I had all these self-doubts. And so I did a, a single card reading where I'm like, did I make the right choice? And I pulled the fool. And initially I'm like, Oh, new adventure, new beginning. I'm like, but wait a minute. It's the fool. (laughs) There's that ambiguity in there. So I just wanted to share that. You know, yeah, I I read reversals. So I don't know if you, not everybody does, which for for the person who doesn't know tarot, reversals are when the card is upside down Mm -hmm. and it has a whole different meaning. So pulling the fool is a great positive card unless he's in reverse. And then you've got the mistakes, the regrets, the screw up that I was so stupid, (laughs) you know? So I say, if he's straight up, you're, you're golden. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I usually don't read reversals. Uh, I, I probably Mm -hmm. ought to, sometimes I do, but typically I I think it makes, makes them much more clear to me. I mean, I, I think it's a huge loss in in what those cards can tell you mm-hmm. if you don't read. Now, now I understand every card has its dignities, you know, it has its its positive and negative aspects. And many people look at the reversals as the negative side of it, which is not always true, by the way. You know, you look at something like like the Eight of Swords, which is the lady in the cage, you know, who's tied up and blindfolded in the cage. And in reverse, she's set free. You know, she's she's released from limiting beliefs or, or whatever. And 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 so that's a, a good thing. So reversals are not always a lot of times people see them as bad and they're not always bad. But I, I would you know, if you've been reading tarot for a while, I would encourage you to explore yeah. those reversals because I think yeah. it's going to add a lot of depth to your practice. Yeah. Yeah. No, I've been doing it for about 40 years. So, um, uh, and I've done reversals. I think that the attitude I've had is that most of the reversals, you can get the same message from other cards. And that's why I typically mm-hmm. don't, but I see what you're mm-hmm. saying when I agree that it could add, and there are different ways of reading the reversals, you know, like sometimes I've read them as like blocked energy 
And I've also uh-huh. yeah. heard it as like, you know, this is where the energy is shifting, things like that. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And and how the characters interact and face yeah. each other, you right. know, that was something that the tarot card designer, Robert Place taught me when he designed the alchemical tarot, which is probably my favorite deck. Mm. And he showed, you know, how, how this face may be turned to look at, you know, this mm. This page may be turned to look at this queen in a certain way, or this king may be turning away from the queen or, you know, and there's this dynamic, even in how the characters are interacting in front of you in the pictures. And it's also interesting and it all feeds into the meaning that you give the person that you're reading for. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things that I really liked about your book as well was it recall one of the ways that I personally practice and I'll tell the deck I'm just practicing, but I will do practice spreads and look uh-huh. at the cards. And sometimes there are very clear stories that come to me. And yeah. when I read your book, I'm like, that's what I've been doing because uh-huh. you're finding the story in the cards. Right. Right. And I do talk, I think toward the end in one of the, of the book in one of the tips that a lot of times creative people will use tarot cards to help them to to plot a story or to you know get some character depth or something like that yeah 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 well you made the really interesting observation that when you write and when you are reading the tarot you kind of go to the same place to the same mental place i think yeah yeah it's a zone. It's a, it's a meditative place for sure. And yeah. And I, in, when I'm telling my own story in the chapter in the fool, I have this very, I mean, in some ways I, I consider it a traditional background. I grew up in the Episcopal church, but it was a charismatic Episcopal church. And one of the things they taught me on a church retreat when I was probably 13 or 14 was automatic writing Mm. and which is essentially channeling. And at that time, you know, they said it was Holy spirit and just let the Holy spirit tell you and, and write it down. And I got quite good at it. And, you know, and that's part of my spiritual practice today, Mm. whether I'm journaling or writing poetry, I'm also a poet or, or working on, fiction or nonfiction, sometimes you get stuck and you just ask spirit to take over because, yeah. you know, you don't necessarily know where it's going. Yeah. And, and that's where the wisdom is. Yeah. And what well, it's really interesting to when reading the cards, when that story just presents itself and it seems so clear yeah. at times. And I think what's also really interesting is it also demonstrates that the same card can appear in a different story and it can serve a different function or purpose. And it just shows Mm -hmm. how rich tarot is. Yeah. I find a lot of clients will get repeat cards. You know, they'll sit with me for an hour long session and we'll ask a number of different subject questions and the same cards will keep showing up, you know, even with all the shuffling and all the different layouts and, and there's like a message that, mm-hmm. that the tarot is, is saying, here's your takeaway, you know, yeah. <laughs> the hermit, you know, you need some time alone or, <laughs> you know, something like that. And, you know, something to focus on, something to avoid. Mm-hmm. And, and we, we get these repeat cards, which is pretty fascinating. 
Yeah, I, I've noticed that as well in readings I've done for people. Do you remember your first reading? The first reading that I gave or uh, the first reading that I got? The first reading, the first time you ever read the tarot cards, you bought the cards when you were 16 um, at this mm -hmm. magic shop. Yeah. So I don't really remember the first reading. Okay. I do remember one of the first readings and I remember, you know, I was probably around 16 and with my girlfriends and, and I remember my friend, Chris asking, why am I fat? <laughs> you know, teenage girl. And she pulled the three of cups in reverse and we read, you know, that feasting over abundance, you know, and we all just burst out laughing and like, how perfect is that? And, and you know, it was, it was like that. I mean, very simple, simple readings back then. I, I did not profess to have any wisdom of my own. And we were, we were playing with the cards in, in that fortune teller sort of way back then. But I was, you know, I was learning what they meant. And, and, and I did know that I was good at it. And I was, as I said in the book, I, I soon became everyone's favorite party guest. And it was like, bring your cards, bring your cards. And and so it just was a natural thing for me in the, in the same way that some people are very good at, at baseball or something. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so it was the success that you were having at the parties and whatnot that led you to do this professionally then. Right, right. Over a long period of time. I mean, so, you know, I've done, I've had so many different careers. I've been in the corporate world. I ran a music magazine in the 1990s. I've been in fitness. I've, you know, I, I've been a, a reporter and journalist. And Tara was with me through all of that. You know, I it's I have an unpublished book about my years running the music magazine as a single mom. It, it's called Night Times, and and I do hope to publish that, maybe even soon. But part of our staff meetings, after all the business was conducted, we broke out the tarot cards, mm. and I read for everybody who worked with me, and we had a blast, and and it was just always a part of me, and a part of you know, and and I never really thought about charging for it. For a long time, not until graduate school, which was, I started graduate school in, as a creative writer in poetry and fiction in 2007. And back then I had a professor that, and, and he was just very encouraging of, uh, of me. You know, he, he liked my tarot cards and I, I brought them to class and he, he would have me come to some of his other classes and read and he would do uh he would sort of mix my cards in with the theme of the class. So he might be doing like the mystical poets or something, you know, and, and he'd bring me in to, to read for the, his students in that class. And it just got to a point that everyone wanted me for their parties or their weddings or, or what have you, that I had to start charging. And that was really when I took the step into being professional and I was just doing it part-time for a number of years certainly all through graduate school, it was just part-time. And, and I became a professor, a, a university professor, and it was still a part-time gig, but it got to the point that the demand was so great 
And, and honestly, the, the school was getting me down. The, the administrative duties and the unpaid hours, and I don't have to tell you about all that. You mentioned you teach too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so so it, was, it just made more sense to be a full-time tarot card reader. And, and so I let that go, and it's been the best thing to ever happen to me. Yeah. 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 It, that's kind of always in the back of my mind too. It's like, you know, I could <laughs> do that. It's not as soul sucking as higher education. can. Yeah. Be. It it doesn't feel as safe. It's true. Yeah. You, you don't know, you know, right. there is not a promised check at the end of right. the week or two weeks, but, but there's so much joy. And, and, um, and if, you know, I had to learn a lot about valuing myself and my time and not being afraid to ask for money. I mean, that was yeah. like a huge thing for me when I was first going professional, I, I felt embarrassed to ask for money. I was like, oh, you know, if you, if you really want to give me something, you know, but I, I wasn't looking at, you know, when people are clients are lining up there's only one of you and you right. have to value your time. Sure. And so it was, you know, it's been a learning experience just going pro. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Now, one of the things that you wrote in the book I wanted to ask about, because I could also relate to this. Um, and you, you begin one of the chapters with this sentence, wedding receptions used to make me physically ill. And that's a funny, it's funny just to read that out of context, but the idea Uh of doing all of the readings, it does sap the energy from you. So yeah. And it's an emotional roller coaster. Yeah. Yeah. So how do you protect yourself? Well, so again, I, I'm not, not very, I'm not a very superstitious person. I'm not really big into ceremony and ritual so much as before an event, I close my eyes and I get centered and I ask to be a channel of love and light and only let love and light in and, and and give the people what they most need to hear. So, I, I mean, I do that before just an individual reading also, but that's important to me to just sort of ground myself and pull in my energies and pull in spirit. And I think in my earlier, younger days, I didn't do that. And I was just sort of throwing myself to the forces, <laughs> you yeah. know? And, and and so something like a wedding, which I, I talk about all the feelings, there's obviously people who are happy for the bride and groom, but weddings are weird and they make people look at their own lives. And so you get people who are like, well, I'll never find love, you know, and you get people who are like, oh, I wonder how long they're going to last. And, you know, there, there's just every gamut of emotion. And, and when they're all sitting in front of me, one after another, after another, and it is, as I said, an emotional roller coaster, and it's a lot of energy to take in a lot of different energy to take in. And it's truly sickening on a physical level. Yeah. So, uh, so not, not something I, like to do very often, honestly. Right. Yeah. I, I had a friend who had some of her female business colleagues over. She would do a, like once a year, she would have the women come over and they would have a focused intent, you know, day, like, you know, vision boards or something like that. And she invited me once to do Mm -hmm. readings for them. And at the end of the day, I just had this massive throbbing headache. And so I could understand the 
aspect of it making you ill. And ever since then, if I ever do anything like that, I, I'm burning the Palo Santo and I usually have a spray thing of like a Florida water or something just to help uh-huh. keep it clear, keep it clear, you know, and yeah. take, a, take yeah. a little bit of time between the readings too, to kind of let, let anything mm-hmm. go. Yeah. Right. But we can't do that when we're working a wedding reception, right, right. you know, you got to move them through, you yeah, know, that, yeah. that host or, or hostess is, is paying you good mm-hmm. money to get as many of the 200 guests wow. <laughs> as you yeah. can handle wow. and, and their quick five minute readings, which aren't too yeah. deep. And, you right. know, that's usually how those things go. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Not, not a lot of room for self-care. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, I, you mentioned this and I had it written down because I wanted to ask you about this. And I'm wondering if maybe you can say a little bit more. And it was the doing readings for people who've passed on because I had never actually yeah. thought about that before. Well, and I hadn't either. And I didn't ever plan to do that. But I had so many clients who would either trick me into it, you know, say, I want you to read for my friend Jim, you know, and I put down cards and, and actually one of those stories is in there on in the chariot. And I was like, oh gosh, what's going on with Jim? Jim's in a dark place. You know, I've got the four of swords and I've got maybe the death card and I've got, you know, just you know, pain and nine of swords and, you know, lots of, lots of negative stuff. And then, and then the client will say, well, he's dead. So yeah, that Mm. makes sense. You know? Mm. So sometimes I would find out they died that way. Sometimes clients would be more open and say, you know, we're, we're wrestling with, you know, the death of a child or, or a relative that, you know, we want to come to peace with something about this person. And can you please just look? I, I've had people say it like that. And I would say, all right, but I'm not a medium. You know, I'm not promising a back and forth conversation here. And they would say, just just see what you see. And nine times out of 10, they'll tell me that's exactly the way he would have said it. Mm-hmm. Or yes, you nailed the details of such and such, or you've, you're describing something, you know, and, and, and so I know it works. I still don't say I'm a medium. Right. I don't want that responsibility. I'm not trained in that. I know there's sort of mediumistic training, you know, there's tarot training and I was never officially trained. I'm, I'm right. autodidactic. You know, I, I learned from a lot of reading and a lot of spiritual study and I think that all of that feeds into my readings for my clients. I'm, I study Kabbalah. I study A Course in Miracles. I study the Tao and, and I'm in a Buddhist women's group. I'm, I'm really kind of a cafeteria plan of, of spirituality. Yeah. And so you're going to get a lot of stories. You're going to get a lot of my Episcopal background, you know, the Christianity. Mm-hmm. And, and I think it all fits. It all belongs. And there's, it's embodied in all the tarot cards, all that wisdom. And so some of that is what I've put into this book. A lot of that is. And when I, when I did realize this was going to be a book, part of me was like, do I want to give it all away? Do I want to give all my secrets away? (laughs) You know? And then I was like, well, of course, because this is to make the world a better place and this is healing and it can only bring blessings to me. 
And, and it could shift me away from being a tarot card reader. I don't know. You know, I'd be okay with that. I'd be okay with being more of an author because writing is really my first love, but, but I'm a good tarot card reader. Yeah. And, uh, and I know I have a lot of wisdom and, and people have already been asking me about a sequel with the minor arcana and I'm thinking about it. Hmm. So, so we'll, we'll see where that goes. I've got a few yeah. stories yet. Yeah. Well, you could get four sequels out of that. Cause that would be pretty hefty if you did the minor cards, maybe one book. for Sure. Each suit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like one, one for each of the, each of the suits or something. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Yeah, yeah, just just putting it out there for you. One of the things that you also noted in the book, and you actually noted this a couple of times, which I also really appreciated, was that you noted that in your readings, you're really telling people what they already know. Yeah, yeah. And, and I'm just mirroring is, it back. Yeah. That's what I have people tell me all the time. They're like, you just told me what I already know. And my response is yeah. good. But they good. need it. <laughs> yeah. They they need the validation. They need the clarity. Yeah. And, you know, but they feel it. Yeah. Yeah. It happens all the time. Yeah. Now you talked about the woman in the Hierophant chapter that you couldn't really read for. You also, mm -hmm. in one of the later chapters, I think it was in the judgment with the judgment card you wrote about a woman who you ended up not doing a reading for and, and you mm, had good yeah. reason. Yeah, You had good reason, I think, you know, and it, and it took a lot for you to finally say no, it seems, mm -hmm. but I was wondering, are there other situations that you've run into where you have felt that it is inappropriate to do a reading or is there someone that you wouldn't yeah. do a reading for? Well, so another reading in the book that I wouldn't do was the man who was having a heart attack mm, yeah. and his granddaughter was calling me and, you know, and, and that's not appropriate. I, I'm not a medical doctor and I, I've had people call me asking if they're pregnant. If they're pregnant, that's kind of all in fun usually. Yeah. So that I, I'd probably read for that one, but I've had people ask me if they have STDs. Mm. I've had people, you know, ask about serious health issues, cancers, tumors, seizures, you know, that's not in the realm, you know, I, I mean, sure it could show up, but I cannot diagnose anything. Right. I cannot heal anything. You know, that poor man in, in the chapter on the moon card who was having what I believe to be a heart attack he wanted me to do some kind of spell to fix right. him, you know, yeah. and that broke my heart because it wasn't possible. And so in the meantime, I was just trying desperately to get 911 to find him because, mm. of course, I didn't know who he was or where he lived or any right. of that. But yeah, so so there are the health ones. Generally, I refuse. Mm. If people don't treat me well, I refuse. If people are intoxicated, you know, I, I say there's a reason they call it spirits. Mm. And, oh, I remember doing a party once and some girl, well, first of all, when anyone's drunk, they're, they're shouting everything at you. They forget the question they just asked and you're getting the same thing over and over again. 
And they're famous for miss for they, they start to read the cards themselves and they see something like the death card and they spiral out of control and there's weeping and gnashing of the teeth, you know, <laughs> and yeah. it's just, no, not, not good energy, not where I want to be. So I usually say right off, I don't read for you if you're drunk. I've tried and I've been, it, it is not a good time for anybody really. Right. Right. Yeah, no, I, I I understand that. I used to try to read for a friend after a couple of margaritas on both of our ends, and it never came out well. <laughs> uh, yeah, but it's interesting because people, even though they're not that familiar with tarot, they sometimes know a little bit, like the death card, and they mm -hmm. don't know enough though to really know that it signifies just you know transformation usually. Right. And I think one of right. my, it's a good card. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, one of my favorite chapters in the book, and it was really personal for you, I think. And it's also one of my, weirdly enough, it's one of my favorite cards is the chapter on the tower card. Oh yeah. I don't know yeah. if you've ever so that seen was a, it. A... No, please go ahead. Yeah. I was just going to say that was a girl in high school who was cutting herself. Yeah. And, and I was doing one of these, midnight lock-ins that I've, I've, I've since said no more of those because I feel like a train hit me the next day. Yeah. I'm, I'm just too old for those things, yeah. but, but yeah, teenagers, oh, their energy is so intense. Mm. And, and this one poor girl, you know, just the self-destruction was big. And, and I knew I was there for a reason and it was to talk her through you know, why she might be cutting herself and, you know, to identify that I knew she was and, and to help give her some guidance to possibly stop. And of course that was the first and last time I ever saw her. So I don't know how yeah. that turned out. Right. I pray I made a difference. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I always, I, I don't know if you've ever seen it, but there was a meme that was going around on the internet once and it was, uh, it showed the sun card. And it said, this is what everyone thinks enlightenment is. And then it says, oh, but this is what enlightenment really is. And it was the tower card. <laughs> um, and I like Perfect. that. Perfect. Yeah. yeah. That's why it's one of my favorite yeah. cards. But, but I did like that chapter because I think the way it was written, it seems that you were able, I hope that you were able to help that girl. Um, and it was I very, so very appropriate. I, I know I got through. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. It's that, you know, with tarot, you can help people. You know, and mm -hmm. anyone right. who helps is doing something good, I think. Yeah, yeah. It's meaningful work. You know, yeah. it, it it sure beats, you know, sitting in a cube and which I've done plenty of that, too. And I don't knock it. It's an honest living. And, you know, if you're in the corporate job and you can do it and you like it, God bless you. If you don't like it, I say, run. There are better things out there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> One of the things I didn't, I know we're running out of time, but one of the things that I was unaware of, and this is me being very sneaky, kind of getting into our end questions, but you mentioned Sylvia Plath a few times in the book. And I think you yeah. mentioned the collection of poems, Ariel, and that she was using uh -huh. tarot imagery. And I never knew that. And I read Ariel yes. many, many, many years yeah. ago. Almost nobody knows this. And when I was in graduate school, my, my professor, Dr. Stephen Schreiner, had given us a semester in project and I, I wasn't finding anything. 
But I was getting obsessed with Plath, who, you know, to to be fair, I'd been reading her since I was 16. Again, that that 16-year-old age coming up, always drawn to her work. But in grad school, when I was actually studying her and pulling apart these poems, and and I was like, wait a minute, there's all this tarot imagery. And I said to Dr. Schreiner, you know, look, here's here's the Empress, and this is clearly a a knight of swords, and this is clearly the death card, and I'm seeing these patterns, and and he was like, I don't know what you're talking about, and he said, make that your semester end project. Well, that became my life's work, and you know, fast forward, I, I've spent actually rewind now. Uh, I spent the last fifteen years in the Plath archives proving it, reading her, reading the books that she read and the things that she underlined and her little notes on calendars and and all of this wealth of information to substantiate that she was a very practicing mystic. My next book with Destiny Books will be out in May 2024, and that is called The Occult Sylvia Plath. And it the Occult Sylvia Plath was originally going to be the introduction to my first book, which came out in 2014 called Fixed Stars Govern a Life Decoding Sylvia Plath. And the introduction was too wieldy. It was her story and all the mysticism between her and her family and Ted Hughes, her husband and his family. It was just too big of a story for an introduction. So, and it took me many years of research to just you know, shore it up and make sure that I was exactly right on on so many things. So I've been kind of persecuted by the Plath camp in mm. academia. You know, they they want to hold her to her tidy little depressive suicidal self. Mm. And when you learn to see how she aligned these poems with the tarot cards, and then you understand the meaning of the tarot cards and like it expands the meaning of her poems exponentially. I found at least six clear different meanings to every poem in Ariel, all in alignment with the tarot cards. Mm. And um, she was a genius's genius. And she milked her words to the max, you know, like, I just don't know any poet who was capable of doing what she did. Her husband, Ted Hughes, maybe came close. But but as I say in, in the occult Sylvia Plath, she was the magician's apprentice who became stronger than the magician. Mm. And and it's funny because she has this line in her poem, The Bee Meeting, I am the magician's girl, I do not flinch. <laughs> and you know, she she was tutored by Ted Hughes, but really her background, her, her father was a Freemason, her mother's master's thesis was on Paracelsus, the, the alchemist. They read, she and her mother read all of these mystical books back and forth. And, and I've read most of them that they've read. And I, I've actually seen her annotations and her underlinings. And so, so that book is all about that. But she was absolutely a, a mystic writer. Yes. Yeah. That was me very sneakily kind of um, leading up to what's coming up next, because I told you before, <laughs> yeah. uh, before I began, before we began recording that I was looking through the catalog for the books that are coming out in winter and spring. And when I saw the occult Sylvia Platt, I can't even begin to tell you how excited I was. That was the one of I'm all so the glad. other books A lot I was of people... looking forward to. 
Yeah, a lot of people don't know her, you know, um, it, it seems you have to have a, a little bit of a literary education, probably, you know, this, this generation isn't reading poetry like previous generations and, and fiction. I mean, she, of course, wrote The Bell Jar, which right. was one of the great American novels. I mean, Plath covered it all. But but yeah, it seems like it's going to be really well received. I'm very excited about yeah. it. Yeah, uh, I am too. So I hope that when it's uh, released, you'll come back and we can go into more depth about that book. I think I would very much love to talk to you about I that. I would love to. Yeah, wonderful. So do you have anything else that's coming up other than the release of the Sylvia Plath book? Well, the audiobook for Tarot Life Lessons should be released very soon. I don't have an exact date, but it, it could be before the end of November here. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure when. I recorded it in my own voice, which was important to me. I, I actually, that was kind of a an interesting thing into itself because I had to audition to read my own book, <laughs> which I thought was funny. But but I wanted to read it and say my own words and my own experiences. So so that's coming. Right now I am busy recording the audiobook for the occult Sylvia Plath. So that will have an audiobook with it as well. And really my whole life right now is in finishing that <laughs> so and getting through the holiday job because I have a lot of events for the holidays but but yeah that that's what I've got going on I know it's probably not too too fascinating but oh, no, that's, no <laughs> but that's, seriously uh, the that Sylvia Plath book that is excitement enough that is yeah, yeah that's I'm looking forward to that so do Great. you have do you have a website where people can go to find out more about you I do I do. It is it is in the process of, of being remade, but it's still functional. It's it's my name. It's Julia Gordon Bramer.com. And I'll spell that J-U-L-I-A-G-O-R-D-O-N B as in boy, R-A-M as in Mary, E-R.com. And and they can find me there. I'm on uh, Twitter and Instagram at J Gordon Bramer. With the Gordon Bramers, no hyphens, no periods, none of that in, in both the website and the Twitter and the Instagram. And I'm also, they can look me up also on Facebook. I'm there as well. Just put my name in. All right. Wonderful. I will put the link for your website in the show notes and the video description and the social media as well. And also put in links for the right. tar tarot book as well. Okay. Thank you, Nick. Okay. Well, thank you. It's been a joy speaking with you. The book, Row Life Lessons, was a joy to read. It's a fun read. And you can actually learn a little bit about Tarot by reading it, even though it's not a how-to book. Yeah. Yeah. So Exactly. Yeah. So thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. And that's a wrap on episode 116 of Rebel Spirit Radio. Thank you so much for listening or watching if you're part of my YouTube audience. Now, you know what's coming, all the usual. Sign up for my Patreon, share this with friends and family, co-workers and on social media. Subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you use to listen to or view podcasts. You know the grind. But here's the thing. All of that is really important. Putting this podcast together takes a lot of time and effort. Right now, it is a labor of love. I'm in the process of making changes to improve the podcast and the YouTube channel. 
slow going, but your support will help me speed up the process and ensure that I can continue with the podcast and offer much more content than what I do now. As I always like to say, I'm here in the front range now doing missionary work in regards to religion, spirituality, and ecology, psychedelics, and consciousness, and how all of this can help us heal humanity's relationship with the sacred earth. So if you feel moved by the rebel spirit, and you know, I sure hope that you do, then please, by all means, help me in my efforts to share the good news. I'm Nick Mather, and you've been listening to or watching Rebel Spirit Radio. Until next time, may you be in peace, may you flourish in all possible ways, and may you continue to nurture your rebel spirit. <laughs>